This is the third message of the 2017 Missions Conference. It is, The Grace of Giving, with Pastor Carol Haynes, March 18, 2017. It is such a privilege to bring God's Word to you tonight, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will impart something into your hearts individually and us collectively as a church, that we will go from strength to strength in God, and that we'll receive what he wants us to hear and what he wants us to know. So I think the best way to prepare our hearts for that is just, let's just stop and pray first, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, we are just so grateful for your presence. Lord, we know that you are here with us. And Holy Spirit, we know that you are the one who teaches us. And you are the one who will lead us into all truth. And I pray in the name of Jesus as we uh, open the word of God, as we look into uh, the, the words that you have for us tonight, that you would speak to us, that you would just lift our hearts, lift our faith, uh, lift our understanding, open our ears to hear. Lord, bring us to a new place in God. Enlarge the place of our dwelling, Lord. Help us to see further than we've seen before, to be able to be broader in our view. And Lord, I just pray you'll fill us up with every good thing that you want to give to us. And I pray for an impartation of the Holy Spirit to us, an impartation of the grace of God in the grace of giving. I pray now in the name of Jesus. Amen. And that's what I want to speak on tonight, about the grace of giving. Now, I love the grace of God, and I'm sure you do too. And I know there's lots of books with titles that just enlarge on the grace of God and how kind He is and how good He is to us. And I think the grace of God that we, most of us here have entered into is that grace of the salvation, the saving grace of Jesus Christ. How wonderful is that? And when we have a conference like this, we are wanting to share that saving grace of God with the world. And it's too good to keep to ourselves, right? But, you know, there's more to the grace of God than just our salvation, which is, I mean, that's, that's the greatest miracle of all. But the, the ability to live a life for God here on earth, because we're not in heaven yet. And until that day comes, we need the grace of God to live for God. And the grace of God, simply put, is the divine ability, an enablement from God, uh, an ability to do what you need to do. So many times we pray and we say, Lord, I need more grace. In fact, the scripture instructs us and tells us if we need more grace, if we need more wisdom, if whatever we need more of, we should ask God for. And sometimes we may be going through a struggle or a trial and we say, God, I just need your grace. I need your grace to help me with this. But how many of us pray for the grace of giving and generosity? You know, that's one that we sort of like, I don't know about that one. <laughs> I mean, maybe we've never even given it some thought. But in the scriptures tonight, we're going to look at some people that had a grace of God upon their life to be generous in a most amazing way, an astounding way. I'm going to begin with, though, first of all, the scripture from Acts chapter 20, verse 35. This is the Apostle Paul quoting the Lord Jesus, and he's, and he's speaking and telling the believers how that he has uh, paid his own way. He has worked to uh, serve them as a church and to uh, not be a burden to anyone. And he says in verse 35, And I have been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. 
To be blessed is to be wonderfully happy. Is the, that's the definition in the scripture, to be enviably happy. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, I like receiving gifts, don't you? I like receiving blessings. We had wonderful testimony from Joel last night. It was a wonderful blessing. And so we feel very happy about that. But Jesus said it's even more blessed. And Paul's repeating these words. And that it's in an even better state of being to give than it is to be the one who receives the gift. Now, this is a little bit off of our natural thinking, isn't it? But kingdom thinking is always different. It's always different than the natural way of, of, of thinking. And it is a blessed state that is available to us that have a willing heart towards generosity. Because we're not going to be generous if we're not willing to be generous, right? And so that's where we enter into that grace place, with that place of blessing when we have a willingness to be generous. Now, Paul knew about this, and he led the way. And the Apostle Paul, if you know a little bit of his story and his history, he was before he was Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus, and he was a Pharisee. He was an educated man, and he was under the tutelage of Israel's finest teacher. And so he was rising through the ranks. And Pharisees usually enjoyed a place of privilege and wealth. And so he knew, as he said later in the book of Philippians, how to abound, how to have a lot how to get on in life and, and do it really well. And life was good for him. But, and so he enjoyed a lot of privilege. But he also, as he began to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and serve the church, he learned how to live a life of hardship as well. And he actually learned how to do without too much in his life. And so he, he backed up what he had to say with a life that actually lived that. And we come to the, the book of Philippians, and Paul is writing in Philippians chapter 4, uh, verse of scripture, very familiar to all of us. We love this scripture. Verse 13 says, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Now, we love to say that one, don't we? Isn't that one of our favorite ones? We, I, and, and we should. We should claim that. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. But he's specifically talking about how to endure through hardships and hard times. And he said, even so, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty. So he knew he could do, he could do anything he needed to do because God would be with him. But he said, you've done well to share with me in my present difficulty. As you know, you Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I first brought you the good news and then traveled on from Macedonia, no other church did this. I find that a stunning statement. I mean, this was the Apostle Paul. Like, if he lived in our day, he would be a rock star, wouldn't he? I mean, this was the Apostle Paul that wrote, I don't know how much of the New Testament, who just forged the way and uh, to churches all over the Mediterranean world, to who uh, on packed the whole revelation of the grace of God so that we could understand it and understand who we are in Jesus Christ. I mean, he's an amazing man. And nobody supported him? Nobody supported And so he's saying to these Philippians, you did well. You did well because I had a need and you met. They were generous people. He was a generous man, but he, they were a generous people. In fact, they were helping the missionary. They were helping the man of God get the gospel to, to unreached people, and they helped him move on into Macedonia, which we'll explore a little bit about who they were. 
you know, Paul probably prayed and asked God to supply his need. And then that prayer was answered by those Macedo- by, by the Philippians who were from Macedonia. And they, they were the answer to his prayer. Now, I wonder when we give our missions offering, when we send it somewhere, when we send it overseas. I, I know uh, we mentioned in Bukavu in, in the Democratic Republic of Congo. I know that this has been an answer to Dr. Sothin's prayer because that man was struggling to keep that hospital going and, you know, without even the proper equipment to do so. And he was he is a man of God who seeks the Lord. And then, you know, just by chance meeting, meeting him and finding the need there and answering that need by financial help. And what Scott didn't share is the reason we don't need to support the hospital anymore is the help of the last five years is actually made the hospital becomes self-sustaining so they can earn their own way. So we're now going to support Dr. Sothing because he doesn't get much of a salary. <laughs> and so we're, we're going to help him so he and his wife and their children can, can live and have their needs met. So what you, uh, what you give is answering somebody's prayers somewhere on the other side of it. And we can do, do many things like that. Paul was like a, a proud father to this Philippian church, and he command, he commended them and what they did. And then he used them as an example. And the scriptures that we're going to explore here tonight are from 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9. And we don't have time to read all that, but that is a great passage on giving and on the grace of giving. And I think that what he was doing there was he was sharing with the Corinthians to encourage them a little bit because these Macedonians were amazing. They had a grace and a generosity on their life. And the Corinthians, they needed a little bit of a push. They needed an encouragement. They needed an example. And life in Corinth was really good. Corinth was a wealthy city. It was right on par with Athens in that era. And it was on the isthmus of land there. And a lot of trade went on in that area. Great temples were built to, you know, the Roman gods and Greek gods. And there was just so much going on. There was so much wealth in Corinth, but there wasn't in Macedonia. And we'll learn a little bit more about them. And so who were these Macedonians? Well, the name Macedonia still exists today. And uh, on our map, it's a region uh, in former Yugoslavia area. And it's a region in the Balkans, and but way back in ancient times, even before the time of this writing, these were a distinct people. They had they had a language of their own. They had a culture of their own. But by the time of Paul, they had sort of been absorbed by the Greek culture that kept moving inland. And so these areas now had much more Greek ways. And then the Romans moved in and conquered everything. So now they were being ruled by the Romans. So they were still a people of their own, you know, dis- distinction, but it was being swallowed up by other cultures as well. And they were obviously Gentiles and not Jews. So this city of Philippi was a very key city in Macedonia. And you may recall Acts chapter 16 where Paul had a vision of a man in a dream, and he was a Macedonian man. And he said in that vision, come here and help us. 
And so this is who, this is what Paul was on his journeys to do, is to, to go there and to bring the gospel. And this is the first Europeans to receive the gospel. And Lydia, the seller of purple, she was the first one to receive the gospel. So she was a woman. That's even cool, too. <laughs> so the Macedonians were Gentiles, ruled by Rome, a distinct people. But above all, and this is the point that I'm, I just think really is a, another stunning thought. They were Christians. Before they were Macedonians, before they were Gentiles, before they were anything else, they were Christians. They were genuine believers. They loved God with all their heart. And what was so unusual about them is that they had a heart for these Jewish believers far away in Jerusalem. Now, you might look on a map and you see, oh, the Mediterranean and there's Israel and that doesn't look too far, but that was about a thousand miles. And in the ancient world, that's a long way. That was a major voyage by sea and across land to get there. So, in other words, these were believers in Macedonia that were concerned about other believers in Jerusalem that were people that they probably would never see, never meet, Never have somebody come up and say, thank you. And doesn't that sound a little bit like what we're talking about here? We, we, you know, we can go by video and we can see photos and we can see video and images and so forth. But these are people we probably won't get to meet. You know, maybe if you get a missions trip and you go to Vietnam, you will, but probably we won't. And do we have a concern for them? Do we have a grace of giving and generosity on our heart that could cause us as believers to have a heart for someone else in another part of the world with another culture, with another language, perhaps with a basis of belief system that is different from ours, but as Christians wanting to meet their needs as Christians, to meet others. I'll tell you, it's, it's challenging. And we live in a world today that the temptation is to become more and more isolated, to be more concerned about our, our self at home and our own personal needs. But these Macedonians, they were world Christians. They were, world, that, they were the definite definition of a world Christian and what that was like was generous hearts. We might have a question like this. Why concern ourselves with the needs of people? on the other side of the world. And aren't there enough needs here at home, even particularly in my home? So why should I be concerned with someone else? Well, we can't meet all the need that's in the world, but we can help some people, as we have been saying we can do. And if God has drawn our attention to the needs of someone else, then it's a probably a pretty good indication that he wants us to do something about it. Yeah? So, you know, that's, that's just the simple answer to it. If we see a need, perhaps God wants us to do something about meeting that need. And generosity was just the hallmark of the first century church. And so the sharing of, the, the, of finances, when we say finances, we mean the word money. <laughs> we mean the word money. And let's not tiptoe around it because this is what Paul was talking about. And, and when we pick up the faith promise card and we talk about our faith, we're talking about money, our hard-earned money that sometimes we don't have a whole lot of. But, you know, I'm not afraid to talk about it. And I'm not ashamed to talk about it because it represents our lives. And really at the bottom line of it all, this is what we're putting on our line for the Lord is our lives. 
So the sharing of our, our finances is absolutely key to getting the gospel out into the world and being able to uh, help others in other parts of the world as well. And so we just turn now to, for just a portion of time, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, and, uh, and we'll have some key verses from there. These uh, chapters give us a model, and they give us a mindset that we need for being joyful, generous, grace-filled givers. First of all, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, and it says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. So before he talked about what they've done or anything about who they are, he was saying it's the grace of God on their lives. The grace of God on his lives. You know, I just think that tonight is... When we, when we finish, something we can pray for is saying, Lord, could I have this grace on my life? Could I have my heart enlarged? Could I have my vision enlarged? Could I have just a willingness to say, Lord, would you put this grace on my life too? And I, I'll give you testimony at the end about how that grace really can come on our lives. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1, this grace of God. This was a generous people. This was a joyful people and an enthusiastic people. And they went far beyond what anybody would expect. They had radical generosity. It was amazing. And Paul wanted the Corinthians, who could do a whole lot better than what they were doing, he wanted them to know about that grace of God and that generosity. And this offering that Paul was taking up was um, it was a very special offering that took almost like a year to gather it. And that's why these letters, and that's why the mention of it. And it was for the needs of the, the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. The hard times had come on the church there. And now Paul was asking the churches around the known world and region at that point to help the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. That's a big ask, wasn't it? And he sent different ones around and, and asked them to gather it. But he wanted them to, to see this important point that their giving needed to be joyful and it needed to be motivated, motivated by a heart of love, not just for people we don't know, but above all, a heart of love for Jesus Christ. Because if we don't have that as the foundation, then perhaps we're going to be as we discover in these verses, feeling a bit pressured, possibly, um, maybe emotionally manipulated, or some other thing. We need to do what we do out of our love for Jesus. And bottom line, that's, that's where we do what we do. So he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Now, we bring this scripture a lot during giving talks, don't we? But you must each decide in your heart how much to give. That's your decision. That is uh, nobody else's decision. That's your decision. That isn't somebody to pressure you. I, I can remember being in a meeting years ago when actually I really did feel pressured. I, and I, I, oh, gee, I felt so uncomfortable about that. And I, I just don't think that that was the spirit that the Lord would have us go in. Each of you must decide. You own that. That's yours. That's personal. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So we don't give it reluctantly like, oh, here it goes again. Here's the time. The guy's going to stand up there. going to ask for money. <laughs> or to be pressured. 
but cheerfully. And so that, that word cheerful is uh, hilarious, which is, we get our, our English word hilarious. It's absolutely abandoningly joyful and happy. God loves a happy, cheerful giver. Pastor Messer always would say, but he will take it from a grouch. <laughs> Something is attractive to the spirit of God about a joyful giver. And isn't joy just absolutely attractive? If somebody, if, if you see a happy group maybe over here in the corner having a, a laugh and enjoying each other, don't you want to go and go, well, what's so funny? You know, what, what's going on here? What, you know, and you start kind of laughing. And you don't even know what they're laughing about, but you're laughing with them because it's got to be funny, right? We just do that because joy and happiness and cheerfulness, it's so attractive. You know, I, I know of churches that when it's, you know, it's time they announce the time for the offering, that everybody stands and cheers and goes, yay, they get all happy. And, you know, someone walking in might go, that's a little strange. <laughs> but they're actually trying to practice this, this truth, that God loves that joyful attractiveness. And who, who would want to part with their hard-earned money? Who would actually be joyful about that? You know, who could actually be happy about that? Well, I just want to say that it could be a people who love God first and love him best. It could be a people who have a heart to love well beyond themselves. It could be from a people who see him who is invisible, while at the same time being fully aware of the visible needs of those around them. It could be a people who have experienced that there's a greater blessing upon the, and joy upon the lives of those who give far beyond what they receive. And that there are rewards in this life and in the life to come that are immaterial and not material. So that's how we could actually be happy. We see beyond it. We see beyond pulling that note or two out of our wallet. It's, we see beyond that, and we see these things that are invisible and immaterial that have nothing to do with that dollars or dollar signs that we have there, but with what is really important and what really matters in life. And we can be joyful and give to the Lord and have this grace in our heart when we realize that we have a new nature through Jesus Christ. You know, because to withhold and to draw back and to, you know, me, 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 that's the old nature. And we have died to that because we belong to Jesus Christ. And that new nature is the nature of God himself. And our God is a generous God. And how many of us here have been recipients of the generosity and the kindness of our God? So his nature lives in us. And so that's our nature. We are generous, so we might not realize it, and perhaps we need to get awakened to this grace of God that's on our life, but his nature is in us, so it's a natural thing. It's a supernatural thing to want to be generous. We have been born again of the Spirit of God, and his nature is in us, so it's super, supernaturally natural to be a generous people. And there is a joy in generosity that goes far beyond anything that we could get for our money, you know? Amen. So well, let's renew our minds and let's renew our hearts. I just want to give a little bit of a, a pen portrait, a little bit of a sketch of these Macedonians by just highlighting a few of these verses 
from 2 Corinthians 8. We'll read the longest passage here, just verses 1 through 5. So if it'll come up on the screen, you read it with me um, silently while I read it out loud. You can read it out loud if you want, but (laughs) we'll be mumbling together. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. Amazing people. Now I love this. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Let's just press pause there. We just have to, we just have to camp there for a moment. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are not just poor. They are very poor. Wow. Do you know, I have a tendency to excuse people that are very poor. Oh, you guys don't need to give. Oh, you don't. No, not you. Not you. But, you know, it seems like there's this expectation upon the poor, as we see in the Scripture, both in the Old and the New Testament. How about that widow that that the Lord sent Elijah to, and she just had a couple, you know, just a measure of of meal, and and she was just going to make a little cake, and she's going to die, her and her son. And God said, give. Give to the prophet. Give to the man of God. How about that uh, little widow in the, we're going to read her scripture in the New Testament who put in that little bit, you know? And here we are, the Macedonian's church, Macedonian church, lots of troubles, and they are very poor. And Paul asks them to give an offering, and they go, yes, absolutely, we want to be included in that. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. They have lots of troubles. They are very poor, but they are rich in joy. They are full of the joy of the Lord. They see beyond the material. They see beyond the trouble. They see beyond the trials and the hardship, and they see him who is eternal, and they see the purpose of Jesus Christ going forth in the earth, and they are filled with joy, and they want to be a part. They did not excuse themselves. But they said, we want to be a part of this. And so that, that joy has overflowed in rich generosity. And it gets better. Verse 3, for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford. Sounds like this question was asked. What could I give? Right? For I can testify what they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. Far more. And they did it of their own free will. In fact... They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped, for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So they had a joy that was independent of their circumstances. They had many tests, and they had many trials, and we would have, in the natural wanted to excuse them, but they didn't excuse themselves. In fact, they begged for the opportunity to do that. So it's a, they're an amazing group of people that even though they had a little bit, they knew that what they could give was still significant. It was certainly significant to each one of them that gave sacrificially because they gave beyond what they could afford. And they had a joy of knowing that they, as a church, could give collectively, and then that, that would make a significant contribution and isn't that amazing what we can do and you look here what was it this last year 75,000 
dollars, which in Aussie dollars is even way more <laughs> and more impressive. It gets to be $100,000 for us. Um, that's very impressive that everybody given their little bit, what they gave, added up to an amazing bit of help that, that, you know, it's done some great things and you've had the report and, you know, all that we've done. So we all have different incomes. We all have different levels and ability to give what we can give. But what, if we would have a heart like that to joyfully give, it's a significant thing to us, but it more so becomes a significant thing to the kingdom. Kingdom of God has such a different value system from us. I mentioned this little widow in the New Testament, Luke chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, This poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she has. She gave it all. That was, that was in comparison to the rich man's gift. It wasn't even a tiny, didn't even matter. But for her, she gave it all. And so the Macedonians were just such standouts. They, they had a decision to give what they had, and then they went beyond. They went even further. They gave what they could afford, and then they gave so far much more. So how, how do we have a heart like that? Well, there's, there's two things here that I think are really helpful that we can... Uh, glean from chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, verse 5. And I'll repeat that scripture. It probably won't come up, but I'll just repeat it. It says, For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So what do we do? First of all, we give ourselves to the Lord. That's If we're going to be generous people, if we're going to enter into this grace of giving, we need to give our hearts to the Lord. Give ourselves fully to the Lord because this is a heart response. This isn't something that we, like we say, you know, try to pressure people to do. This is something that we decide of our own free will. But we're never going to have a heart of generosity in the things of God if we haven't fully given our hearts to the Lord. If God only has a little bit of us and he doesn't have that wallet, <laughs> that's a part, isn't it? <laughs> if he doesn't have that, and, and I'll, you know, I'll share with you because I've had to grow in that area myself to, to be, be able to say, Jesus, everything I have and everything I am and everything that I want and everything I desire is yours. It's yours. I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. So until we really come to that, to giving ourselves to the Lord in that way and realizing we're not our own, we're the Lord's, and everything I have is his, we're not going to be able to really give generously. And then giving ourselves to the Lord is the natural response of a God who's given himself so generously to us. And this is not some solemn, demanding, austere, impersonal God but this is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the Lord who loves us, who has given us this abundant life. This is who we're giving ourselves to. And I think the Macedonians knew a little bit about that. And then the second thing that was such a part of this, that the, verse 5 says, they gave was to give themselves to the Lord and to us. Now that, that's a little bit of a, wow, let's look at that. We just really need to look at that because the Macedonian churches trusted Paul. They trusted him. And so this whole matter of trust in leadership, this whole, uh, you know, saying, okay, we're going to do this with our money. If I give you that much amount of money, that's what's going to happen. You know, there's some risk involved in that, isn't there? And so you have to each come to a personal decision about, uh, do I trust this? 
You know, this is why we try to bring transparency. This is why we bring missions report. This is not just casting vision. This is saying, this is what we're going to do. And then after we've done it, we say, this is what we did. So that you know that that money is going into the right place and doing what we said to do. So it's, it's, a, um, it's an important thing. And it's sometimes the trust issue is something people have to, to uh, cross over with. Now, we get a little uncomfortable talking about that, but perhaps you've had um, incidences in your life where there was uh, distrust was formed because of something that was not done right. Well, we're not asking under compulsion. We're not asking out of a manipulation. Uh, those things are not a part of the kingdom of God, but we are asking you to trust, and we respect your choice in that matter. And so we just want to bring this to a close here. Paul wasn't trying to hammer them. He wasn't trying to pressure them. He wasn't trying to uh, cause them to give under some kind of compulsion. But he was asking them to follow through on the promise that they made. Because that's why he was writing, you said you would. I'm going to send Titus along. The rest of chapter 8 is all about what Titus is going to come and do and collect the gift. And he wanted them to follow through. And that's much the same thing that we do every month when we share the needs of what God is calling us to do around the world we're saying come on let's let's do what we said we would do and uh we can just believe together that what he has called us to do we can do it together and we can do it really really well as we finish 2 corinthians 8 7 says since you excel in so many ways in your faith and in your gifted speakers and knowledge your enthusiasm and your love for us i want you to excel also in this gracious ministry of giving. Gracious ministry. There is a ministry of giving and generosity. And I want to take a step further and say, I think that there is a grace of giving already on us as a church. I think it's been demonstrated already. And I believe that God would cause us to expand in this. I don't think it's something that's far off that we're not doing or not entering into. But it's something that we can expand in and have grow in our lives. And I just want to share as I finish um, that it was not something that was always natural to me. Not something I was brought up in. I became a Christian when I was 15. shared my testimony last time I was here. Um, and there was always, you know, opportunities for offering, but I, I didn't really get to grow in that grace of generosity until I met Jack Haynes. <laughs> and, and together, you know, we've learned much, but he was already an example. And when we, when we got married, uh, Jack was in the military and he was already stationed in Germany and he was coming back to get me and I was, his uh, duty was uh, unaccompanied. So we didn't have all the benefits of the military. And if anybody knows what a soldier makes that's in the ranks, you don't make a lot of money to begin with. And I was a, a college student, and I had a little job in the office in one of the uh, buildings there. So between us, we didn't have a lot of income. And Jack had been uh, saving his tithe up, and he wanted to give his tithe when we... Uh, when he came back to marry me at the church that we had been in together. And it was, um, it was a considerable sum of money. It was hundreds of dollars. And we, had, um, we needed $15 for the wedding, marriage license, and he had that, and that's all he had. 
<laughs> and so I had, for my little meager amounts of money, I rented his tuxedo for the wedding, and my parents, you know, paid for the wedding, and and that was it. That's all the money we had. And so that Wednesday night church service come along before our, our wedding, which was on a Saturday night, and um, he put those hundreds of dollars in that offering plate, and I just gulped. <laughs> And I thought, oh, my goodness, <laughs> you know, because I knew what we didn't have. <laughs> and that's how I began my adventure of, of life with, with Jack Haynes. We just were constantly challenged by the Holy Spirit to give. We had our little serviceman's salary, and we would, we would um, bring the you know, soldiers home to our little apartment and feed them all and the hungry guys and our little $25 for two weeks' groceries we had, and we would share it with them. And, you know, it just kind of went that way. And then, and then we went to... Uh, after we finished with the service, we went to uh, military service. We moved to Yuma. We became a part of the church there with Pastor Messer. And uh, we had uh, missions conferences, so 40-some years of missions conferences. And the faith promise was introduced to us. And so we began to give that together as a couple. And then after a few years, uh, and I was working, Jack was working, and then we started our family, and we felt that I wouldn't work if we had young children. So, uh, and then during that time, then Jack went off of his wage that he'd worked in, in uh, sales, route sales, and he went full-time on a church salary. So we went literally to a quarter of our income, and now we have missions conference and we have faith promise, and I felt God challenging me that, I shouldn't just give with my husband and then that's okay, but that I should personally give a missions offering. So I felt a little bit like those Macedonians, very poor, because <laughs> I actually had no money of my own. I had no income source, and the only money that came in my hand was my grocery money, and Jack would give that to me in cash. And I always had to make that stretch with coupon clipping and all the other things that you do, and anytime I would buy my groceries, I would you know, have such a way that when it was loaded on, uh, that the stuff that I didn't have to have was the last thing there. And then I'd ask for the subtotal. Do you do that too? Okay, I'd ask for the subtotal and gulp. Okay, I'll put that back. I'll put that back. I'll put that. So that's how I was, you know. And I felt the Holy Spirit challenged me to make a faith promise in those circumstances. And so, man, I was cutting those coupons a whole lot more, you know, and I was shopping through all the ads and getting all the sales. And I was able to make that, that faith promise. And it wasn't big. It wasn't big. I'd be embarrassed to tell you, but it was, it was sacrificial because it was not just the things that I put back, but a lot of things I couldn't have, but I wanted to give it and I gave it with joy and I considered it a privilege. And that's where I began really learning the grace of giving until I could increase that and increase that through the years and keep on doing it. And I never want to turn back on it. Yeah. So anyway, just thought I'd share from my heart. And I hope that you hear that. Let's, let's pray that God would just, if you'll be willing with me, that God would give us a grace. Father, in the name of Jesus, I am asking you that you would enlarge our hearts, that you would give to us this grace of giving and generosity, that we would know like these Macedonians long ago what it means to be joyful 
in our giving, joyful in our generosity, and that we would have the grace, the divine enabling, the power of your Holy Spirit to be able to do this, to reach beyond our own abilities and to reach into something that is supernatural and receive from you, Lord, a vision for that which is eternal. Immaterial blessings and benefits would come to our lives. I pray a blessing on each one that's been here tonight. Lord, thank you. Lord, I love these people. And I just pray that each one's heart would just be so blessed and so filled. And I pray that their lives would be filled and blessed. And I do pray for their uh, financial well-being. I ask a blessing of God on the people that are generous people. I ask a blessing to come to them and that, Lord, all their needs would be met and abundantly more. And, Lord, your word says that you give seed to the sower. And so I pray that those that have sown, that you would increase their seed and you'd increase the abundance of their harvest. I ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope it blessed and encouraged you. Join us live on Sunday or at our Midweek Connect small group meetings in North Phoenix, Arizona.